The key thing is by partnering up both with other sponsors and limited partners, that enabled me to scale up substantially and buy a very different class of properties. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Joel Fine. Joel is joining us from Austin, Texas. He is a multifamily investor and syndicator that buys undervalued assets, improves, and then sells them. Joel's portfolio includes over 1,000 doors as a GP and over 5,000 doors as an LP. Joel, thank you so much for joining us today. And how are you? I'm great, Ash. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah. Joel, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. Yeah. So I originally went to college to learn to be an engineer and I worked as an engineer for many years, then as a project manager and a program manager. Back then I was living in California. I started doing real estate on the side, but only did real estate outside of California. I didn't like the characteristics of the California market. No cash flow at all. You were just counting on appreciation. As it turns out, in hindsight, the appreciation was great, but I didn't want to take that risk uh, buying properties that didn't cash flow. But eventually I came around to learning about other markets that do cash flow. So I bought a single family house in Texas and then some duplexes and triplexes and other small stuff in Ohio. Learned about syndication and started getting involved with syndications first as a limited partner in a passive capacity. And then later as an active general partner or sponsor. About the time I was starting to invest more heavily in real estate and ready to make the transition from passive to active, my wife and I moved from California to Texas. We moved about a year and a half ago, right in the middle of COVID. So that was kind of an exciting story in itself. At the same time, I left my W-2 job and decided to go full-time into real estate. And at that time, that's when I decided I want to pursue the the active side of syndications, the active side of a large-scale commercial multifamily, and haven't looked back since. So you moved to Austin right when it was popping. Yeah. In fact, I think I beat the flood by about a month. <laughs> we moved in May of 2020, and within a few months, things just went crazy here. So Joel, for all those years that you invested as an LP, what were some of the things that you learned that GPs do well and that they don't do so well? Well, let's see. So Things that GPs do well, first off, when they're putting together a transaction, the assumptions they make about their transaction are absolutely essential. They can make assumptions that really can affect the apparent uh, quality and value of a deal. For example, one of the assumptions you make is how quickly rents might rise over a period of time. If you move that a little bit, let's say from 2% per year to 4 or 5% per year, it doesn't sound like a big difference, but that can make a huge difference in the apparent outcome of the deal. So you have to look carefully at what kind of assumptions the GPs are making. Beyond that, I love to see GPs that are transparent, that share a lot of information about what's going on, both before the deal is closed and then after the deal is closed and while they're operating the property, sharing the good and the bad. When things go well, when the plan is being executed properly, but also when things aren't going so well. Sometimes you might have higher delinquencies than you anticipated, It might be a little more challenging to get renovations done and so forth. So when things aren't going well, 
it's important to share that with the passive investors. They're really not in control of the investment. Most of my passive investors are remote. They don't live in the Austin area. And likewise, when I was a passive investor, I didn't live near the properties I was investing in. And so there was really no way for me to make any firsthand observations about the property. So I was dependent on the general partner sharing information about the property. And so for me, that was really critical is transparency. And then just diligence, making sure that they're paying attention to how the property is operating, focusing on the key metrics, managing the property manager effectively, just good, high quality execution. And what made you transition from being an LP to wanting to become a GP? So when I first became an LP, it was sort of with the intent of, okay, I'm going to learn about this enough that I can decide if I want to be a GP or not. I was content buying the small stuff, the duplexes and triplexes and the quads, but I felt like scaling up might be a good way to go. And as I learned about syndications and about how to go about investing in commercial multifamily, I realized that being on the active side is a much more effective way of scaling up. It gives me an element of control that I don't have as a passive investor. And I'm willing to put in the time to do it. Like I said, I, when I moved from California to Texas, I left my W-2 job to do this full-time. And so I figured, okay, if I'm going to do it full-time, I want to do it in the most effective, most scalable way possible. And for me, that was being on the sponsorship side of the general partnerships. Joel, what was your first deal as a GP? Uh, let's see. First one was 42 doors in Austin. It's a 1983 property, mostly untouched. The exterior looked pretty good. The interiors were pretty much what we call classic, which means they really hadn't been renovated. They hadn't been updated since the property was built in the 80s. So there was a lot of opportunity there to improve the property, mostly cosmetically, which is really the ideal situation. A lot of properties, they'll have issues like you know, maybe foundation issues or they'll need a new roof, things like that. You've got to do the repairs, but they aren't going to really improve the top line, the, the rent you can get. A potential tenant isn't going to come to a property and say, that's a beautiful new roof. I'm willing to pay an extra 50 bucks a month in rent to live here. On the other hand, if you swap out the interior components, if you repaint, put in new cabinets, countertops, new flooring, new plumbing fixtures and lighting, that can really improve the property not only from the perspective of the potential tenants, but also from the top line. Tenants are willing to pay more to live in a place that looks better. So anyway, that's one of the characteristics of this property. Again, it's 42 doors. As it happens, a few months later, we bought the property next door that had 44 doors. So combining them, that's 86 doors. And they're literally next door to each other. They share a fence. So we're now running it as a single property. And that's really important because a 42-unit deal, it has challenges in terms of its scale. Below about 70 to 75 units, it's really hard to manage effectively because you can't really afford an on-site property manager full-time. But once you go above 70 to 75, you can afford a full-time property manager and and maybe even a full-time maintenance tech. So that's what happened with these properties. We combined them, a 42 and a 44 into an 86, and now we're running them as a more efficient property. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. 
They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investor Guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. Joel, on the 42 units, how much did you raise for that deal? Let's see. I think that was 1.9 million. Purchase price was 4.4 million. So the whole time that you were in LP, knowing your end goal was to become a GP, were you prepping investors, gathering emails, or did you wait until you found the deal? No. In fact, I started letting people know that I was involved in real estate, focused on real estate and planning to syndicate. One of the things I did was I updated my LinkedIn profile to make it clear that I was no longer in the high-tech engineering IT field. I was now full-time in real estate. And I talked about the deals that I was a passive in, because even as a passive, that's a great learning opportunity to find out what syndication is all about, how the industry operates, how people manage their assets. In fact, my first LP deal, I got the general partners to allow me to dial in to their weekly property management calls. So I would dial in every week and just go on mute and listen. And that was a terrific learning experience for me because I got to hear kinds of problems they were having, how they addressed those problems, the problems that lingered and were difficult to solve. And so I used that as a learning experience. And then I communicated that kind of information to friends, family, acquaintances, people I knew, attended lots and lots of meetups. I had been attending meetups in California. When I moved to Austin, I attended as many meetups as I could here to to meet locals and just to get to know the real estate community and hopefully have them know me as a potential investment partner. Can you walk us through raising that 1.9 million? Yeah. So I have to back up before the raise actually. So my partners in this deal, there were three of us, And my partners actually found the deal and got it under contract and then brought me in to help out. And we agreed that we would share the responsibilities of the capital raise. So we did the underwriting, we reviewed the property, we wrote up a pitch deck, developed information that we could share with potential investors. And then we put together a webinar where we presented information about the deal. In that webinar, we shared all kinds of information. Again, transparency is important to me. So We talked about not only the property itself and the business plan about the property, like what we wanted to do to the property and improve it, but we also talked about the market. What was the neighborhood like? What's the Austin market doing? We talked about what sort of comparable properties were in the area and why the behavior of those comparable properties 
justified the numbers we were putting together. We laid out our expectations of, hey, if we do the following upgrades to the units, we think we can get this much in additional rent. We think we can improve the net operating income and so forth. So we put that information together in a pitch deck, in a PowerPoint slide deck, presented that in a webinar that I think we had, I don't know, at least 40 people attend. And from there, it was actually fairly straightforward. It took us about two weeks to get all the commitments we needed to fund the deal. And at that point, it was just a matter of going through the rest of the purchase process, including due diligence and getting the lender approval, getting the appraisal done and so forth. So it actually was very smooth. I think Austin is a very, what I would call a sexy market. When you tell people you have a deal in Austin, there's a lot of interest in it. They know that Austin's a fast appreciation market. It's a place where jobs are growing. People are moving to Austin. So the demand is high. There's a shortage of housing here. So people are inclined, they're attuned to invest in Austin. So I think that was part of what made it relatively easy for us to raise the money. But within two weeks, we had the money and we were ready to go. What do you say to those people in New York, in Austin, in Southern Florida that say there's no good deals here? Well, it's very challenging to find deals. There's no question about that. And I have to give credit to my partners. They're the ones that found that deal. And they've found a couple of other deals since then that I've participated in. And it's really all about relationships, getting to know brokers, getting to know sellers, getting to know lenders who might have access to deals. And when you find deals, you underwrite them and you have to be ready to move quickly. It can be challenging to get a deal to underwrite, to get a deal to look like it's going to do well. But if you've got your ducks in a row, if you understand the market well, and you know where the rents maybe are under market, and you have a good sense of what you can do to a property to to improve it, there's opportunities. So we've done two deals already in Austin. We're in contract on numbers three and four. I've also done a couple of land deals here that are very promising. That's incredible. Joel, in my experience, engineers make some of the best real estate investors because of all the systems and processes they employ. What's one of the biggest mistakes you've made so far in your real estate investing career? Ooh, a mistake that I've made. So I guess I would say one big mistake that I made was early on, one of the first properties I bought was a quad in Cleveland, Ohio. That was before I was really doing any syndications. In fact, I think it was even before I started being a limited partner. But this particular property was four units. It was in a suburb of Cleveland called East Cleveland. And for folks who aren't familiar with Cleveland, East Cleveland has a very poor reputation. It's kind of the hood. This particular property was in a pocket of East Cleveland that was isolated from the rest of the city by a big park. And it was right next to a much nicer suburb called Cleveland Heights. So I was really optimistic about that. I convinced myself that my property, because of its location, was going to attract Cleveland Heights type tenants and not East Cleveland tenants. In hindsight, I was wrong. I bought it for $145,000. I did about $80,000 worth of renovations to it. It really needed a lot of work. Rented it out for a couple of years. While I was renting it out, you know, I had a property manager running it, but it consumed a lot of my time between vandalism. There were delinquent tenants. There were fist fights on the property, broken windows, broken lights. I finally gave up. I sold it for a little bit more than I paid for it, but much less than I had put in, including the renovations. I probably lost about 60 k on it. In hindsight, I suppose it was a good learning experience. I've heard folks call that uh, expensive seminar. It's so just I, time and money. Yeah, exactly. It did help me on my journey. If I hadn't bought that quad, then I wouldn't have bought other things that I did buy in Cleveland that worked out much better. And so I wouldn't say I regret it, but it was certainly in hindsight a mistake. 
Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. With your investors on the 42 unit and the 44 unit, what's their projected return in such a competitive market? So on that one, when we underwrote it, we were projecting 16 to 17% internal rate of return, IRR, with I think it was 10% cash on cash return. We had an 8% pref. We've been operating the property for a little less than a year, I think nine months now. When we bought the property, the units, almost all one bedrooms, units were getting 950 to 975 a month. We underwrote for 1100 a month. We said, okay, we think after the renovations we do, we can get 1100 a month. We did the renovations on a handful of units and tenants were willing to pay 1250 a month. So we went from 1100 a month in our expectation to 1250 a month. So we expect to beat our forecasts substantially. We haven't quantified that. I don't know what the number will work out to be, but we're feeling really good about it. It's like I said, the rent is higher than we anticipated than we put in our spreadsheets. And so that's just really good news for us and our investors. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. How are you doing on your goals this year, whether it's planning for your goals or whether it's executing on those goals? I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility within the next one to three years using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring. Here are some of his students who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract and she partnered with two other deal maker mentoring students, and together they raised seven hundred thousand dollars. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to deal maker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year, and you've been thinking about getting in the multifamily, well, text the word Joe to six six eight six six. Again, that's the word Joe. You know how to spell my name, right? J O E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow Up Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice 
twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Did you have appreciation as part of your pro forma? Well, with commercial multifamily, the appreciation is embedded in the improvement to net operating income. It's different from single families where appreciation is all about the comparable sales. If you've got a three bedroom, two bath, and your neighbor has a three bedroom, two bath, you're not going to get much more than your neighbor, no matter what you do to the property, no matter how much rent you can get. But on a commercial multifamily property, if you can increase the rents and increase the net operating income, you can increase the value of the property. It's almost linear. If you double the NOI, the net operating income, you can almost double the value of the property. So for us, that's what it's all about is we can force appreciation by improving the property, by renovating, upgrading the tenant base, increasing rents, and thereby increasing the net operating income. And that creates the appreciation. So we don't have to count on market appreciation. What we're counting on is our ability to force that appreciation and then derive the benefits from it. Was your exit cap rate lower than your entrance cap rate? No, we always underwrite for a higher exit cap rate. It's a more conservative thing to do. That particular property, I think we bought at 4.25% cap rate, which isn't bad for Austin. Austin, three and a half is not uncommon, but we bought it at 4.25 and I think we underwrote for 4.75% cap rate. So it works out to about 0.1% per year, which is roughly where we like to be. And it's very conservative underwriting. Good for you yeah. on that. Do you have a waterfall structure if let's say the cap rate is even lower when you exit and the appreciation is just through the roof? We haven't put a waterfall structure on any of our multifamily value adds, but the one land deal that I syndicated, I did put a waterfall in. So that one, we have a 10% pref, and then I think it's something like 70-30 up to 20%, and then 50-50 after 20%. So we figure if we can deliver a 20% IRR to our investors, that's pretty awesome. We all can be dancing in the streets, and at that point, we'll take a little bit more of the top line to as an incentive, as a reward for all of us for doing better than that. Joel, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best advice. I would say if you're trying to get into the business, be ready to partner up. One of my limiting beliefs that took me a while to get over was I thought I had to do things on my own. So when I was buying the little stuff, the duplexes and the triplexes, I thought, okay, whatever I'm going to buy, I have to be able to afford to buy on my own. Now I was doing it with debt. I was getting bank loans. But everything I bought, I would have to come up with 25% of the purchase price. Once I broke through that limiting belief and decided I could partner up, suddenly I could buy much bigger assets because I didn't have to come in with 25% of the purchase price. I could come in with a much smaller number, maybe 1% or 2%. My other co-sponsors would come up with a little bit of it. And then my passive investors would come up with the rest of the down payment that would get us to 25 or 30%. The bank would do the rest. But the key thing is by partnering up, both with other sponsors and limited partners that enabled me to scale up substantially and buy a very different class of properties. Joel, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Bring it on. Let's do it. Joel, what's the best ever book you recently read? Well, let's see. There's two of them I want to give a shout out to. And these are actually for passive investors. I love it when people read these books and then have a conversation with me as potential passive investors because it makes them much more knowledgeable. So One of them is called The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. And the other one is Passive Investing in Commercial Real Estate by James Kandasamy. They're similar in terms of the content they present, but slightly different angles on the content. But the key is 
They're really great for people who are thinking about investing passively and just want to understand how to get into that and how to do their due diligence since they can't necessarily visit properties. They can't necessarily look through the books the way general partners do. They've got to rely on a lot of information that the general partners are feeding them. So those books are really excellent resources for passive investors to learn about the business. What's the best ever way you like to give back? A couple of things. One is giving back for me is kind of an interesting phrase because I think what I do on a daily basis improves lives. And for me, that's what's giving back. So when I buy a property and I renovate it and I improve it, I'm improving the lives of my tenants. I'm giving them a better home to live in. So that's important to me. I'm also improving the lives of my investors by giving them a great return on their investment, by giving them good risk reward trade-off that allows them to diversify their portfolio and buy into asset classes that they might not otherwise be able to. I also run a meetup locally in Austin. I love to have people who want to learn about syndication and multifamily investing join me in my meetup. So education of other investors is important to me. When I was in California, I actually ran an educational nonprofit that focused on social and political education. So I did that as a way to give back. I haven't run across a charitable organization in Texas just yet, but I'm hoping to find one that I can participate in. Joel, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Well, they can go to my website, lakelineproperties.com. That's lakeline, L-A-K-E-L-I-N-E, properties.com. Or they can email me, joel at lakelineproperties.com. Joel, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your story, going to college, becoming an engineer, and getting into LP investments, knowing your end goal was to be a GP. And congratulations on your success. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us and have a best ever day.